Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 1, Episode 1, Ayahuasca Conversations. And today we have a very special first guest, super honored and privileged to have a woman um, yes, to have a woman in the medicine space, woohoo, who has years of years of a lot of experience. Um, from what I've read about you, Kat, you know, you you have taken your own darkness and you've really used this plant medicine path as a way to totally transform yourself and help other people. So we are really excited, listeners, including myself, to hear about um you know your your profound background and some of the things you can offer us so i'm going to properly introduce you here so tina cat courtney the afterlife coach is a traditionally trained ayahuasca and wachumera plant medicine shaman carrying the shipibo canibo and chavin lineages she works as a ceremony guide a psychedelic integration coach and a death doula Kat is enthusiastic advocate for reverent and safe plant medicine experiences and is passionate messenger of how to co-create magic without trauma in the psychedelic spaces. She offers one-on-one -on -one shamanic coaching, various online and in-person workshops, and is also the author of Plant Medicine Mystery School, Volume 1, The Superhero Powers of Psychotropic Plants. You can learn more at the Afterlife Coach uh, afterlife.coach. Um, so yeah, so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for being here, Kat. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be the first guest in this new iteration of this beautiful podcast. Ayahuasca yes. Conversations happens to be my favorite conversation. So super happy to be here. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> me too, sister. Yeah. Yeah. So um, as we were kind of talking before we hopped on this call, I was like, dang, Kat, like, I love what you say about, um, you know, co-create magic without trauma in the psychedelic spaces. And I would love for you to maybe speak to the listeners personally and, you know, in, in your reality, like, what does that mean for you? And maybe what does that mean for the people that you work with? <laughs> love that you asked this because this is really near and dear to me and this took years of working with the medicine for me to come into the awareness that I think in the western world a lot of us have this expectation that growth and healing has to be hard has to be yeah. scary has to be difficult full of resistance full of pain full of trauma and we can learn that way, right? It's it's okay, all paths are available, but I feel really empowered more and more during this work of recognizing that we don't have to learn that way. Right. And But it takes us getting to that place of saying, look, I deserve to learn in a space totally. of love and grace. It doesn't have to be in chaos. So Absolutely. my commitment to the medicines and the people that work with me is to try to crack that code accepting right. that sometimes it gets dark and scary and crazy right. and that's okay and there's right. beautiful lessons in that but we don't have to intentionally or unconsciously create that mm -hmm. in order to learn and grow so Absolutely. it's just something i'm always working with myself and the yes. tribe these days of what does that look like and how do we do that absolutely yeah totally i love what you said not not needing to have these like heart-wrenching, like chaotic experiences in order to get to the core of our truth. We can have, um, 
I guess in, in my mind too, is like more feminine, supportive, so we can rise, you know, and feel, feel good and actually connect with our true self in this very supportive and healing way, rather than like, um, you know, this like masculine, like get all the bad shit out and like, let's go, you know? And so, yeah. And, and so I guess, um, because I heard you say like, you know, with your experience, did you personally go through like chaotic experiences and then you realize like, oh, wow, actually what's, what's more supportive, you know, for me. And since I'm a person that's very central nervous system based, like what's supportive for me and my central nervous system, how can I actually get into a state where, you know, I feel, um, not overwhelmed. I guess you could say. So maybe just take us through maybe a contrast of experiences you've had that helped you land here. Absolutely. Well, you know, because I, I started this journey a very long time ago with not a lot of self-love and not a lot of trust in my own intuition, mm. I manifested a lot of experiences that lack safety and mm. got to learn in a container that was full of judgment, that was full of that masculine energy of push, 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 harder, mm -hmm. harder, harder. Like mm -hmm. I had mm -hmm. something to prove, yeah. which I didn't, but I thought Ooh. I did. And so it, you know, mm. it's nine years in actually, before I finally said, wait a second, this is, this is actually more traumatic than it is healing. Can I do oh, this in wow. a different way? Totally. And, you know, Mama Aya, she's a mirror. She's reflecting the mm -hmm. deepest parts of ourselves. So mm -hmm. she welcomed me in these unsafe spaces, mm -hmm. took as good a care of me as she could totally. without keeping me from my lessons. And then the moment I said, can it be different? Can it, can I learn these things in a more loving and safe container? She's like, mm -hmm. absolutely, but you got to manifest it and, and I'll totally. do it with you. And yeah, then yeah. everything shifted from there. And right, what right. I have now is completely safe in wow. terms of the person I work with as a partnership, the container wow. that I create, and it's so much more fun, but I had to stake that claim and say, yeah. I deserve this. And to know that it's possible to have yes. profound growth and healing and insights in a safe way. Totally. No, absolutely. Yeah. And I love how you said, yeah, like, um, well, and I wonder too, I just wonder, you know, like if it was just a, I don't want to say, um, you know, because it sounds like when you stepped on the path in the beginning, maybe you just didn't know what it was supposed to be like. So it's like, it's like, okay, and, and that would be nice if you could go into that, like what, um, you know, what, what, um, what practice or what environment did you step into? And sure. then what, what were the elements that like created this, like not safetyness, so to speak, I guess more so maybe from a facilitator standpoint, like who is facilitating so people can like use those lenses and be like, ah, oh, checklist perhaps not trauma-informed, you know, you know, versus trauma-informed and like, you know, what's the new checklist now, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, it's complicated because it's yes. different for, for a lot of us, right? So yes. my beginning with this started with the Shipipo tribe in the Amazon in the early mm -hmm. 2000s, you know, mm -hmm. when wow. nobody had heard of this. That container was beautifully Chills. safe. Yes. It was in the jungle. I had no idea what I was doing in the beginning. It's mm -hmm. just, I had a guy in my life, my boyfriend at the time, that's like, you want to go to the jungle and do ayahuasca? I didn't know what that was. And I was like, yeah, sure. That sounds great. And obviously 
it spoke to my soul from the very beginning. And, uh-huh. and I went back and forth to Peru and that was amazing because uh-huh. being in the jungle with somebody, I mean, my first maestro, he's been drinking since he was 12 years old. Wow. His uncle was a maestro. This is in his blood. It's yeah. all he knows. Wow. It was safe to a point where I could surrender and know that the container was well held because Perfect. his relationship with ayahuasca is rock solid. And that's something yes. we want to look for yep. in our practitioners. Like, yes. do they have a longstanding, deep relationship with this medicine? Have they been through hell with her? Do they know what's possible? That wow. safety, that relationship. Wow, wow, wow. Totally. However, at some point, it's not that the, the container became unsafe. It's that my Shipipo teachers never experienced what we Westerners do in terms of being disconnected from nature, from our true selves. Wow. And so Don Roberto Acho is my first maestro. He's amazing. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. couldn't really help the psychosis that I was dealing with because he didn't really understand it. He would just pat me on the head and be like, Estabi and Gatita, it's okay, kitty cat. And like, it is not okay up there. Yeah, you know, yeah, it is not yeah, okay. Yeah. And he didn't quite know how to meet me in that space. So I set out to find a Western teacher who was mm. traditionally trained. Cause wow. I thought, you know what? I need somebody to understand. Cause I was diagnosed bipolar. I was bulimic yes. issue with yes. alcohol, just like really. And, and the medicine was helping, but yes. I, I, I needed some transference that felt um, understanding. That's part right. of safety. Right, right. Know? So I found a teacher after a while that absolutely understood this, had a history of addiction, 17 years training in the jungle, totally legit, amazing being. So that was great. But after a time with this teacher, he's very masculine in his approach, very like push, push, push. Yes. my feminine got even more amplified to try to balance Mm -hmm, the masculine mm -hmm, energy. mm -hmm, mm And that's when I started realizing the core of what the problem was, is I wasn't trusting myself, that the mm-hmm. feminine was just as strong. Mm-hmm. That, and I was trying to match his vibration and my vibration is nothing like his, nothing wrong with his vibration. By right, the way, right, right. You know? um, and that container was, would have been safe in that he's a good guy. Right. It's just, I was trying to be something I wasn't. Totally. And so. I see, I see you. The lessons I can reflect to people on this path around that is, first and foremost, we have to trust ourselves. We do all this work for self-discovery to find who we really are, and then we Mm -hmm. betray it by trying to be something Uh, else because we mm -hmm. have people in our lives that have expectations that we want to meet or we have stories around who we'd like to be versus who we really are, whatever it is. And when we go into ceremony safety is the priority right Right. and what is safe for you might not be how i define safety totally we can't expect our facilitators to be perfect doesn't exist all of us have shadows we get to be human yes yes Um, but we all create safety in a different way so for example women that have sexual assault histories do really well with me because i understand i can create that safety right 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 Mm, I love that people of color that are dealing with the the pain of racism I don't necessarily have that experience I have the privilege of being white in a world that honors that so sometimes people feel safe with people who get what they go through so I might not be safe to someone who's healing that that doesn't mean I'm ill-intended totally there's anything wrong it's just I can't be at all none of us can so the core of that question around how to maintain safety for ourselves in the ceremony is to trust what we know we're working with, Mm -hmm. what feels safe to us. 
right, right. masculine, feminine, like non-binary, whatever it is. Because mm-hmm. that's the cool thing about mama spreading her vines everywhere, right? Yes. Everything's available. We've got choices. Yes. We don't yeah. have to settle for the the cycle down the street that doesn't right, right. feel right. But right, hey, right. I want to do the medicine because that's right. where we were in tough lessons is betraying right. what we know feels safe to us. Damn, Kat is on <laughs> some good stuff. No, so like, yeah, this is this is so awesome because it's like, yeah, I love how you brought up um, like how working with an indigenous practice and an, an indigenous community, which by the way, I just want to take a moment to like express reverence and, you know, re- reciprocity and so many incredible things that these indigenous people have done for us. Um, and there was just like, you know, there was this natural disconnect with the with you kind of dealing with some psychosis stuff and like these are western words and western um we haven't been drinking ayahuasca since since we were six years old and like all these things so it's like i love how you point that out because i continue to see that as like a thing that as westerners we need to talk about and support each other and as we integrate this like giant amazing healing modality and as it plants its way here in the west so i love how you mentioned that and I love how you took us through the journey of, you know, knowing what you personally needed, finding that out and being like, I can ask for that. And like people who are either new to the medicine or perhaps seasoned, just like yourself, like knowing, like finding somebody who you can actually connect with and feel safe with so you can trust and surrender in this like really beautiful way. So I love it. I love it. I love yeah, it. the name of the game is surrendering to the medicine, but we can't do that in a container that doesn't feel safe. Exactly. So we gotta we gotta trust ourselves, and we don't need. This is another really important thing. We don't mm. need to make the facilitator wrong for not yeah. being able to create the safety that we're craving. Absolutely. That's a really tempting thing. Is, uh-huh. is because as a facilitator, I'm very well aware that people want us to be perfect. You know, and I own my shadow. It's dark AF at times. Uh, Yeah. I don't know what I don't know. And I'm doing my best, but it's not perfect. And so it's okay if we feel in and go, you know, that person doesn't feel safe. It doesn't make them wrong or bad. That's just like, it's just a beautiful thing to be aware of in our own truth of what creates safety for us and not make each other wrong for not being able to honor that perfectly. No, I think that's a a really great point. Yeah, to just take responsibility for our own selves and be like, okay, this is what I need. That is not what I need. And that doesn't necessarily mean this person is bad. So I am facilitators are very human for sure. Um, I've had my my own lessons around that. I've definitely put um, teachers on a pedestal and um, and then it all comes tumbling down. So that um i think that's i don't i don't even know where that comes from maybe like in childhood when we put our parents on a pedestal and then we parentify facilitators even um it's a lot of psychology we could go into the the name of the game is you know we're all human we're all this together and um for sure sorry were you gonna say something 
Well, sure. Just very simply, you know, I think that desire for facilitators to be perfect, it's any spiritual teacher is that Mm -hmm. our idea of enlightenment or spiritual Mm. expansion involves the idea that, oh, someday we're not going to have a shadow. We're not going to suffer. We're not going to have these things. And that's just not the case. Absolutely. 20 years in, I'm still as human as ever. I like what Ram Das would say about the, the enlightenment is that the only difference with your neuroses before and after enlightenment is that you're more neurotic. Right. No, <laughs> totally. Things aren't going anywhere. And so we hold our, our spiritual leaders accountable for right, being right. perfect. That's that right. pedestal. I've done it totally. too. Because I want to think I don't have to suffer someday. Right, and right. It's a skewed perception. It's it's our relationship with suffering. You know, right. the the Buddhist expression, um, pain is required, suffering is optional. Totally. It's like so near and dear. But I think that's why we do it is we totally think, there's a state of consciousness where I don't have to hurt. Right. Not quite. Yes. Yes. It's a little different. Yeah, no, and I think um I love how you're bringing up integrating uh the shadow or you know, or parts of us that are, are wounded or maybe parts of us that we haven't embraced yet. And um, yeah, I think a good thing to point out, just to clarify, like there's there's a difference, right, between having integrity and being perfect. Yeah. 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 <laughs> integrity cool. involves knowing we're not perfect. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so it's, we're talking about relationships and you know all these things so maybe a good a good way to to transition into dietas because when i think about dietas and you mentioned earlier having a good relationship with the medicine and um dietas are an incredible way which cat's going to share a lot with us what the heck a diet is and, and all this stuff here in a second um but it's it's an interesting concept i think for westerns to wrap their head around um when i when i went to my first dieta just this past year we were taught that it's it's very much like a relationship and um i kind of was already familiar with that because i felt like i had a pretty personified relationship with ayahuasca um but it's it goes much deeper than that of course so yes tell us about what a heck a dieta is why would somebody do it tell please share yeah, so a master plant diet or a master plant dieta uh, is, in my language, is a marriage between the spirit of that plant and the human choosing to make that mergence. And uh, it's a temporary marriage, but all marriages are. Your life or death will separate us, so it's okay. But I, I call Gosh, it a marriage. What a good explanation. It's all in, right? right. It's like we're going to merge with this spirit. And the the point of it is, why would we do that? Well, because every plant has, again, my language around it is superpowers, has these vibrations uh, in rays of consciousness that we're all here to remember, to relearn, because we all have it too. It's just, we don't always have it accessible. So for example, my first diet was with sage. Sage is about protection and the fire of sovereignty and mm-hmm. that expression of our boundaries mm-hmm. and safety. And, and I had zero concept of any of this, which is why that was my first diet that my teacher put me on. It's like, mm-hmm. you need sage and you need it badly. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I married her. I married her. And wow. what we do, there's two different forms of diets. There's the old school isolated diet mm-hmm. where we go into isolation, right? And it's our full-time job to be with this plant. 
very mm-hmm. minimal food, really bland, you know, just to feed the body. And the rest right. is connecting with the spirit of the plant, dialoguing, feeling, processing, having mm-hmm. memories come through, like very much like a ceremony, just mm-hmm. a long version of it. Uh, and by the way, we use ayahuasca sometimes in master plant diets. It's not required, but she's yeah. an amazing partner to deepen that portal, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's but it's not required, which is kind of beautiful because people who can't work with her or aren't mm. called can still do a master plant diet. Yeah, it, it's so that opens up the 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 realm of possibility for a lot of people. Maybe if you're on SSRIs, etc., mm. you can't work with plant medicine. You can still do a diet. So isolated is one version, and then we call dieta suave or soft diets, which are social diets. Mm. Those are it's the same process, but we're in the world handling our lives. And it's, they're trickier, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think they're harder because there's more demands of our, our energies. And, uh, but we're still connecting with our plant morning and night at the bare minimum. Uh, strict diet, no sex, no media, you know, really, mm-hmm. really limiting our distractions, basically. Mm-hmm. But um, the social diets take longer, typically, mm-hmm. because we're not giving our full attention. Mm-hmm. Anywhere from two weeks to a month is a typical range for a social diet where a master of where an isolated diet is seven to 14 days. Wow. As a rule, we can go longer if we're really working on intense mm-hmm. things or we need some deep healing, uh, mm-hmm. but that's just kind of a baseline. But yeah. yeah, and then it's facilitated by a practitioner who knows how to open and close that portal and create mm-hmm. that sense of safety because we're, as you know, Absolutely. really vulnerable on these Mm -hmm. diets, like so cracked open. So we need someone creating that safety, not necessarily something Westerners understand of, wait, why am I not safe? Ah, Because you're completely cracked open and we wanna make sure the energy's coming in. Are the plants not emotions of other people or you know all the different complexities um that's kind of the basis of it and it's just the opportunity to learn things experientially that are so profound that we could never learn by reading a book like merging with the spirit absolutely yeah the cat explained it that was like such a concise and like beautiful explanation thank you yeah so beautiful i loved how you the, the suave dieta um was you say suave am i saying that right yeah dieta suave. Okay. Yep. yeah yeah yeah. Soft. Mm-hmm. yeah so that that is what i did uh, i did a social diet for 60 days in the jungle with a with a cohort of thank god by the way <laughs> 20 people so i could suffer with them you know um but uh yeah so thank you so much for that that very clean uh explanation um would love to pair the explanation with some like with story so um what what would you what comes to your heart when you think about like what could i share with people in terms of dieta and um maybe maybe a story of transformation or a story of uh (laughs) ego combustion Take your pick. <laughs> Those happen. I'm going to do two because I'm going to yes. going to share quickly what is possible. So ah. just like in ceremony, sometimes the magic happens when you're in the portal of the diet with the plant. So my example of that was I did a year-long diet with sage. And when oh. I started, I felt like there was a sign in ceremony that says all energy come here. Like I was completely overwhelmed and inundated with emotions and entities, you name it. By the end of the diet, it's like, you know, in the matrix, the first matrix, when Neo can stop bullets 
Right, right. That's how I felt. I was so sovereign, so strong in my space. Thanks to Sage, I was like, no, nothing's coming in my field. And it was incredible. I'd never felt anything like it. So there's an example of of how it was sort of real time happening experientially. Last year, I did a diet with Lilac. And I was really Mm -hmm. called to work with her to heal the wound Mm -hmm. with my mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother loves lilacs and uh, something really maternal about the energy of that plant. Mm-hmm. During the diet, I didn't, I didn't know what happened, you know, and I closed it with reverence and gratitude, but I'm like, I don't know what the heck that was. Totally. And just kind of tabled it. On Christmas, I had the opportunity to see my mom for the first time since that diet. Our relationship wow. is totally different. This deeper, intimate connection, ability to really see Mm. each other was there. It didn't even occur to me till I came home from the trip. Lilac, lilac helped bring that in, helped me to heal something that was creating a barrier. And I didn't even know it until I had the chance to have that contrast with my mom. So there's an example of the magic because people say all the time, I don't think anything happened. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the integration is where we're looking for what has shifted because it's not obvious, even with a big diet. Yes. Yeah. I love how you shared like uh, an example of where it's happening in real time. And then that, that experience, which I feel like so many people can relate to is like, you know, I don't think anything really happened. And then, you know, when you get a chance or an opportunity for that integration to come through, um it's totally transformed so thank you so much for for i love the i love the bullet by the way i love that you you felt that oh me too yeah me too. <laughs> feels amazing like, yeah nope not on my watch not happening. yeah mm-hmm. love it love it yeah so um so that brings us to i love I, I love how you said you know we don't really know until we maybe step into some of the integration so yeah let's talk about yeah let's talk about a really loaded word that I feel like means a lot of different things um, for a lot of different people. Um, yet at the same time, integration um, means like taking what we've learned in these spaces, in these concentrated times, whether it's with ayahuasca or whether in dieta, and then how we're kind of pulling it in into our day-to-day life, or at least that's how I would describe it. How would you yeah. describe it, Kat? Very similar. There, it, you know, integration, it kind of means a sense of completion. Mm-hmm. That's tricky though, because our work is never completed. And we might be working on something like self love that mm-hmm. isn't completed as a whole, but that chapter is completed that yeah. we, we started with either a plant medicine ceremony or a diet. You know, totally. so it's just a sense of like the best analogy I can use is, is sometimes these experiences make us feel like we're in open heart surgery. Oh, and there's a moment where we feel like we're sealed up that's integration where it's like, okay, mm. that is now embodied. Totally. That lesson that came through is now cellular. I'm yes. walking in the world with that experience. It's not mental. It's, it's here. It's right. Deep. Right. And yeah. That's, you know, it's, it is hard to define, but that's my best language around it. And totally. it can take a minute. It can take a lifetime and everywhere in between, depending on what it absolutely. is. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I love the description of, um, yeah, I guess what it came to mind was like embodiment of the truth that you were working on, or maybe you were shown or the healing that you went through. It's, it's doesn't, maybe it doesn't feel fragmented. It feels 
like the puzzle pieces are complete or the Rubik's cube is formed in all sides with, with the colors, so to speak, in terms of an issue or a challenge that we've been working on. Um, and like you said, sometimes it might not always get there and sometimes it might take a lifetime. So I really like how you kind of presented that. Um, yeah, so what, yeah, I'm like, I'm like mm, trying to think of some things here. Um, what are some active, active or conscious integration activities that you teach your students or that you've used yourself, whether they're like, you know, whatever you want to call it, whether it's mainstream or something that you've personally found like really profound and really works. Some action items. I love yes. it. Okay. So when, obviously we talk about this like so much, but I want to emphasize it. We got to have intentions when we're going in, when we're going yes. into these experiences, because we got to have something to measure. So yes. a lot of people come with this really sincere curiosity of like, I just want to see what it's about. Like, okay, yes. And right. what are you working with? Right, because right. integration, it's key to know what Love we started that. with. Yes. So that w it's kind of like starting a business without a business plan. Well, what the heck are you doing? You know, analogy. and you're very <laughs> unlikely to be successful because you don't even know what you're trying to be successful at. Right. So we go in with this intention of I'm working on self-love or healing this thing in right. my body or my, my mother wound, et cetera. Right, right. So then in the integration, the first step is, excuse my cat. No, <laughs> the no. The first step is to say, okay, let's look back right. and see how our intentions were honored. Mm -hmm. Now, this is tricky because these plants speak magical, interesting languages. They're nonlinear. It's uh -huh. more felt than it is logical. Oh, wow. right, so right. sometimes it's obvious, usually it's not. But, yes. but we want to find, I like the term, the golden thread between mm -hmm. what we brought in sincerely in our hearts and mm -hmm. what happened. Yeah. And put it together of mm -hmm. how that was the sacred answer to yeah. our request, because there's always a method to the madness. There's yeah. always ayahuasca always honors what we come to her with, not the way <laughs> yes. we want it or expect most of the time. Yeah. But that, but that's what integration is in part is right. that it's a curiosity and exploration of, right. of how were my intentions honored. Yes. The other piece of it that is just essential is having a grounded spiritual practice. And it doesn't mm -hmm. matter what that is. It could be meditation and yoga. It could be time in nature. It could be breath work. Like mm -hmm. and it could be all of those things on different days. It right. doesn't matter, but we got to oh show up for ourselves. Yes. Check in. How am I feeling? What? Right. And not just about the ceremony right now. Right, right be connected to our inner voice or that integration stays mental. Right. It is not embodied and, and it becomes just this sort of intellectual exercise instead mm. of like a true cellular in integration. Wow. So that foundation of a spiritual practice, that's how the ahas come in. Yes. Yeah, and yeah, most yeah. of the time, my ahas and integration, they don't come when I'm actively looking of like, what was right. that ceremony about? I'll be driving totally. down the road and I'm like, that's why there was a dog in a tutu. You know, right. like, boom, I get it now. Oh my God, right? I love it. But it's because I, every single morning check in, mm. ask that part of me mm. to come forward my inner child work of like, how yes. you doing, sweetheart? What are you feeling? Yes. All of that is welcome so that those moments can come through those magic ahas. Sometimes yes. when I'm looking, sometimes when I'm not, but in other words, we gotta, we gotta have a sense of being, not just thinking. 
we yes. gotta let ourselves show up and feel and be in that inner yes. child because that's where the wisdom of integration lives it is not in our brain matter it's in our yeah. hearts yes so it's a weird kind of explanation right because it's not as mm -hmm. concrete as sometimes people right. want right. but whatever spiritual practice works for them however right. they will show up for themselves bang on that's yeah, where yeah. we're going to start yep yeah no i i think you explained it really really well and i love how you brought in the the intention and the analogy of the business because of course most westerners can relate to <laughs> can relate to that right so it's like it's it's true though it's so interesting that you brought that up because um i've noticed in my journey with with ayahuasca and and actually now just my life you know the more intentional i am it's like it's like this I don't know how you work with it, but once I started having that direct two-way dialogue and asking questions and listening, just like you would in a relationship with yourself or with the relationship with your partner or the universe, that's when it started like kind of like, okay, now it's, now it's sinking in, you know? So I loved, um, yeah, I love how you pointed out, like, it's really good to come to the medicine with something you know because if i mean there's nothing wrong with like being open and, and show me um that's what i did for a really long time because i i really know what i was getting myself into to be honest and then i realized once i was like okay tonight you know we're doing this and then and then also it sounds like bringing that intention and that ritual into your everyday life and it's like checking in and everything becomes intentional. You know, the, the way we create space, the way we eliminate space, the way we pay attention to ourselves, the way we disconnect from ourselves, you know? And um, yeah, you mentioned two things that I teach my own students, which is like connecting with this Mitsu you're walking around in, your B-O-D-Y, body, right? And inner child work. You know, I find that, I find the inner child work like one of the the most foundational keys in this preparation and integration process because that is the first consciousness that we ever knew that's the consciousness at least in human form you know aside from star consciousness right but like that's the thing we were born into in the womb in childhood development and like all these things that um all of us carry to some extent you know and to work with that original original self the most authentic self you know so i love all the things you mentioned it's, it's so so awesome and i love what you said is like find what works for you you know you know if you feel connected or called to breath work to cold exposure to doing dietas throughout the year whatever it is like we talked about earlier trusting yourself um so yeah love love the flow on the integration um, is there anything else you would like to add about integration before we uh, transition into our uh, our final topic here, which I'm really excited to get to? I'll just wrap it up that the only thing that's coming in is the reason why there isn't a formula for integration is that it is all very personal. And yes. this is another thing I think a lot of Westerners do. We want somebody to tell us what to do. Yes. Um, the plants certainly don't do that. They ask right. us to do the work to find what works for us and do it. Totally. Like we're all unique in where we're at in our journeys, what right. works for us, what doesn't, at what time in our lives. Mm -hmm. So it's always about self-discovery and totally. honoring that. We can't Absolutely. mimic somebody else's integration strategy because it isn't personal for us. Totally. So 
yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of accountability in that. Yes. Yeah, totally. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, being able to, yeah, to listen and to trust that to follow through. That sounds like very good words of wisdom for sure. Sounds so easy. It's not easy. <laughs> and I honor that completely. No, but, totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. What's being asked. Yes. Yes. I definitely feel the spirit of what you're saying. And yeah, definitely not easy. Uh, yet very worth it. I'm sure. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. heck yes. That's what it's all about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listening to ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to talk about this next topic, which Kat is very, uh, um, well-versed in and perhaps a topic that most of us aren't comfortable with. I know I'm still coming to, um, terms with my own death, um, because it will happen one day. <laughs> and I tell myself all the time, believe it or not, you will die one day. Um, so, so Kat is a death doula, and I would love to uh, explain to our listeners exactly what does that mean. And um, maybe, how can we integrate death into our uh, lives? Mm -hmm. uh, That's just something that came to me. Um, but yeah, there's something that we can have a conversation around. Yes, thank you for having the conversation around it, because it's the elephant in the room that most people want to go, yeah, I don't want to talk about that or acknowledge totally. it. And yet, the more I've made friends with death, the more sacred life's become. And I get very emotional wow. when I talk about death, because it is the hidden best friend that wow. we all have. Getting and chills. we think it's the enemy. Um, mm. So a death doula, to answer that question, is the same as a birth doula in reverse. I help people transition. Uh, creating safety again, making it a ceremony. My mission wow. is to create sacredness around transitioning again. In the Western world, we have stigmatized it, hidden it, uh, feared it, and a lot of it happens in sterile environments. Uh, yeah. you know, it's not ceremonial, let's just say no. that. And it should be because it's, an, it's one of the two biggest events we will experience in our individual lifetime, birth and death. Wow. birth is sacred we treat it wow. as such yes maybe we could do more but still yeah 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 not at all so that's right. part of my mission and of course i have a dream someday that our country will allow people at the end of their lives to work with plant medicine yes. so that they can have that connection to their spirit and know everything's okay as they're yeah. transitioning uh, so how do we integrate death in our lives? That's such a beautiful question. I would say it starts with sitting where, being honest where we're at with our relationship with death. Mm -hmm. What do we know? What do we really know? Not believe, not think, not what other people have told us, but what do we know about what it is? What wow. can we give language to? Have we lost mm -hmm. people that we love? Do we still feel that connection? You wow. know, like to really investigate, okay, like um, basically to bring death, I like to imagine death as an entity, not the Grim Reaper, yeah, Grim Reaper right. by the way, but like my, right. my my best friend in the shadow and to bring them forth and to, to talk and to say, okay, yes. what do I know about you? And wow. how do I feel about my own death? How do I feel about my cat's death? My mom's yeah. death, my dad's death, my dad has transitioned. Just, just look at it regularly. Right. So, and one of the best ways to do this, it's such a fun exercise, mm -hmm. is to, if we get to have the control around our set and setting when we transition, wow. Wow. to put into writing what we would want. 
Who do you want there? What wow. music do you want playing? What smells wow. do you want? What do you want to be wearing? What room are you in? Are you in nature? What can you see? Like, because that's where we start to decide what is sacred in that moment of transitioning. Wow. I do this every Halloween for myself because it changes, yeah. right? Different people come in and yeah, out of my yeah, life, yeah. etc. So I have, it's my death wish list. Okay. And it's the yearly ceremony to connect with that energy. I do it, wow. of course, more frequently, but that is a beautiful practice for people to say, oh, wow. how would I want that to look and feel? That's right. a beautiful place to start the relationship. No, oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. I, uh, I'll, be, uh, I'll be integrating that tip myself, you know. Um, there were so many things that were coming up while we were talking, um, but I love what you said about making it a ceremony and sacred. Okay, there's the word. I was like, where, where is it? But it's like, um, yeah, so your, your exercise, it's like very intentional, being very intentional about the experience that hopefully for most of us, you know, get to choose to have as we transition slowly rather than it being abrupt and, you know, out of nowhere. Um, it's all good either way. Right, right, right. <laughs> right, 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 totally, totally. But I think in terms of like that integration and uh, yeah, integration starts with intention. So I just, I really, I really love that. And it's really interesting. Um, yeah, I've been, I've been thinking, it's interesting how you said your cat's death, your mom's death. Those are two deaths that I've definitely, my cat um, has been through with me through everything. I see her as like a goddess. We were talking about earlier before we got in this call, how uh, we see our cats as shamans, as like the, the OG shaman. They seem to know everything and like, you know, what, what's life going to be like without her? And actually, as I'm talking about it, how can I honor her? you know, and how can I create a ceremony for my cat or for my mom, you know, um, sterile, sterile environments that people, I mean, actually millions of people, thousands, if not millions passed away just in the last three years during COVID. And to think about alone, alone, alone. the loneliness, absolutely. Just very heartbreaking. Well alone on the physical not on the spiritual because no, i can totally. tell you in the death doula and hospice work i've done oh my goodness we're not alone and, totally. and as we are transitioning we know that but oh right. my gosh to have somebody holding our hand yeah, like, the it's human aspect. so priceless and that's yeah. broken my heart what's happened as a result of covid so many totally. people transitioning without that human comfort it's yeah. not okay yeah yeah yeah, and I think if um, it sounds like if we all can become more conscious and connect with it, then as a collective, we can begin to shift that relationship and be like, hey, this is important. Or how can we create spaces for ourselves and our families and our communities where this is like um, a thing? This is acceptable. This is we have we have a conversation around it. So um, I just really appreciate your wisdom, all your wisdom that you shared with us today. And uh, this has been such an a, such a magical ride and it's um we're coming to the end of it here for now at least um and so yeah would love for you to share you have upcoming retreats this year we're doing i think ayahuasca wachuma and diet so please share that you just came out with the book please tell us where we can get that oh, bless please, you. Yes. please <laughs> tell us all you know tell us cat where can we find out all the things the stuff, all the things. So yes, the book is out, which is like the greatest accomplishment really of my life. I've wanted to do this for decades. So it's called Plant Medicine Mystery School. As you mentioned in the beginning, it's on Amazon. There's an audio book too. 
for yes. those who would rather listen to it. Um, yeah. That was fun. I took a little medicine and went to the recording studio and recorded it all in like a six hour stretch. It was wow. amazing. Oh so um, that's that's out and happening. And then, yeah, always doing retreats internationally. Uh, Costa Rica is the next one mm -hmm. um, and Mexico in May. And so you wow. can find out about all of that on afterlife.coach. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. Thank you. Yay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for um, all the sacred work you're doing, the commitment that you've made to yourself in this life and the commitment that you've made to so many other people in terms of healing, self-discovery and expansion probably beyond their wildest dreams. <laughs> right. Well, I certainly hope so. My, <laughs> my own expansion included and yours. Yeah, Likewise, yes, yes. Sure. thank you yeah. for all you're doing. It is an yeah. honor to be connected and to be here today. Yeah, and thank you to ayahuasca. I mean, this, I and probably you, like, just would not, this would not be possible. I would not have, yeah, I, I don't know about you, but I never planned for this. <laughs> no, this is not on the radar. No. Yeah, yeah. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for everything. You're so welcome. Um, and yeah, guys, that's a wrap for uh, Ayahuasca Conversations, uh, bringing expert advice to you, season one, episode one. And as always, um, remember why you came here and we'll see you guys next time. Bye.